Hello and a warm welcome to the bonus show to mark Liverpool's first title win in 30 years. I'm Steve Hothersall, host of the Athletics Liverpool podcast, The Red Agenda. And this episode was recorded in the immediate aftermath of Liverpool being crowned Premier League champions. It's an historic moment, so we thought we'd make it available to listeners on this feed too. Uh, we understand for fans of certain teams, you might want to give it a miss. For everyone else, hope you enjoy it. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Carol. Cheers, Love it. Incredible. Liverpool are champions and the squad celebrating all together. Uh, welcome to a very special bonus edition of the Red Agenda on The Athletic. This has been 30 years in the making this moment. Liverpool are champions and to celebrate the title victory, we're offering 40% off the subscription to The Athletic. There's going to be a raft of Liverpool articles going out on the site over the next seven days, uh, including Jordan Henderson's journey to the title, which uh, Simon Hughes has been devoting quite a bit of time to over the past uh, few months. Michael Cox will be releasing an article on the tactical innovations that have transformed Liverpool. And Raphael Honigstein will take an in-depth look into the mindset of the man who made it all happen, Jurgen Klopp. What a heroic man. Right, to read all that and much, much more, go to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod to sign up. It will cost you less than £3 a month. Let's talk with our Liverpool correspondents who are still feeling that jubilation at the moment. James Pearce and Simon Hughes. Um, James, we'll start with yourself. You've got a little rosette in the background there, which reminds you of 30 years ago. It's been a long wait for yourself as a fan. How does it feel now? Yeah, it feels incredible. Yeah, very emotional. I think um, it, it's funny because you kind of, I think we've, we've obviously known for a long time that that Liverpool would, would be finally crowned champions this season, but still the moment when it actually does become a reality um is, is very very special and um yeah just you know even in the last 15 20 minutes you know neighbors knocking on the doors and i think social distancing appears to have gone out the window in in egbert anyway i think there's uh, there's been a fair bit of hugging going on and um <laughs> some fella uh, telling me he was on his way to uh, walton village with a a bag full of flares and and a and a crate of beer but um, it looks like it's going to be a late one tonight, but yeah, it's just, just amazing, isn't it? I think um, after so many kind of false dawns and kind of agonising near misses and years of mediocrity as well along the way to to finally see Liverpool take that final step um, just means everything. It was hard to imagine, Simon, how this moment was going to play itself out. We were talking before we started this conversation. We both opened our, our doors and windows and the fireworks going off you can hear the, the jubilation behind it it's a city which is on a massive high at the moment well uh, you know I, i'm uh, i'm in north liverpool and james james lives in the the far leafier south of the city um you know the, the north liverpool's got a bit more of a rugged edge i would say although i live in Crosby, which which that might not apply in course people you know i've got the window open now and you can hear the car horns uh you know blaring and there's uh, fireworks being set off. You know, we can see bonfires in the distance. It's uh, you know, it feels like a, a moment of just enormous relief more than anything else. I mean, 
on a personal level, you know, I, I can't remember the last title. I think maybe you've spoken this, about this before on other podcasts. And, um, you know, I, I can't remember anything about 1990. So, you know, every day of my sort of life really growing up was, was envisaging what it would feel like when Liverpool uh, finally got there and, and won the title. And, um, you know, I was, I was speaking to a friend on, on the phone, you know, my best mate, um, you know, just a few moments ago. And I remember having conversations with him in 1995 about this yearning for Liverpool to get back. That was 25 years ago, you know. So it's incredible. I mean, it, I know a few people might be saying, well, you know, the circumstances aren't quite what people expected in terms of the uh, the pandemic and, and the way, obviously, you know, you, you're waiting on Chelsea to beat Manchester City and Liverpool aren't playing. There's not that sort of moment of finality, but there's still a massive, you know, incredible amount of satisfaction. It just feels like, you know, finally, we're not having to talk about... Um, the last title, you know, it's it's just happened moments ago. You know, it's it's a, it's a great feeling. You know, not just for the, the football club. I understand there's Evertonians in the city, but you know, for the city itself, it's a it's a really good moment for the city to to finally get get past that because Liverpool as a city hasn't won the title since 1990. People forget that it's such a positive thing at the moment for Liverpool and it can put Liverpool as a city on the map. You know, globally, people associate the success with Liverpool as a city. So I'm just I'm just so happy for them. Um, just so happy, really. It's hard, it's hard to articulate it. A little swig of champagne there, James. Did you have the, the champagne on ice? And, and the moment, <laughs> did, it, did it meet the expectation? You know, Simon was talking there about imagining how it would feel for all that time. Did it actually meet the high that you were expecting? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I, I, you know, I think it goes without saying that if you could, if you could write it yourself, you would want it to happen in a full Anfield with Liverpool winning and being, in, you know, being masters of their own destiny, if you like. But in in the circumstances, and when you think that you know it was only two or three months ago that we wondered whether Liverpool would be cruelly denied what you know it had been an absolute procession to the title, and you know, all the self-interest amongst some clubs and the talk about null and void, and would the season be curtailed? Um, so you know, it's. Yeah, of course. There's there's a little bit of a you know it's not probably as as kind of iconically special as you would imagine it to be because of the fact that these games are being played behind closed doors. But you know that is very different from reducing the scale of the achievement. The scale of the achievement is not affected whatsoever. I think as Jurgen Klopp said last week, he said he's I think his words were if you want to put an asterisk next to our next to our name, then fine. He said, because for me, this is the most difficult season ever to win the title with the circumstances. And I think he's got a point. And, you know, when you, I've just seen his interview there when he's reduced to tears on TV and he's dedicating it. To, he said, this is for Kenny. This is for Stevie. This is for all of those who have tried over the years. I mean, you know, that the emotion that he's shown there, he, you know, he's only been at Liverpool for five years, but it didn't take him long to realise but this was the Holy Grail. This is what every manager and every player who's joined Liverpool Football Club has been striving for for 30 years. And, and most of them came nowhere, nowhere near achieving it. And, you know, let's not forget, when you put this achievement in context, Manchester City, people were saying, is this the greatest club team there's ever been? You know, are we going to see an absolute era of complete domination from Pep Guardiola's side? You know, the the slug in the guts of missing out so narrowly last season, getting 97 points, just one defeat, and even that was you know by such a narrow margin at the Etihad, and that 
that clearance off the line from John Stones. And to come back from that and then produce what Liverpool have done this season, to only drop seven points along the way and to blow everyone out of the water, is tribute to, to what has been created at Liverpool during Klopp's reign. This has to be looked at as one of the finest sides of the modern era, doesn't it, in the, in the game. They simply are mouth-watering. The Manchester City team a couple of years ago that won the title, in my opinion, was was there with you know some of the dare I say the great the great United teams and, and certainly the Arsene Wenger team of uh, two thousand and um, was it two thousand three or four when they went unbeaten the whole season. So Liverpool now are in that category of teams. You know I think um, to to win it in this it, it, with this just total relentlessness they they've been set a pace from the start of the season. I think I'm right in saying, you know, from the opening game of the season on that Friday against Norwich, they've been top all the way through the season. Not once have they slipped to seconds. Is that right? Am I right in saying that, James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah which is just, which is just incredible. Like it's incredible. People are just taking it for granted, I think, because Liverpool just set this pace. And yeah, I mean, not, it's the best Liverpool team that I've ever seen. There's no doubt about it. Just you know, they, they, they play with all the characteristics that I think people. Uh, Liverpool fans can relate to, you know, they've got, you know, skill, determination, spirits, goals in them, you know, the, you know, unpredictable at times in, in terms of, um, you know, where, where the goal threat comes from, particularly from the wide areas, you know, play with great width as well. I know sort of Salah and, you wouldn't say Salah and Mane are operating as wingers, but they're wingers playing as centre forwards, which means it's just incredible width all the time and that creates excitement to get you off your off your seat, you know, you pay to go and watch this team. In the past, I think, when Liverpool have gone short, there's players that you would have paid to watch, like Steven Gerrard or Fernando Torres or Luis Suarez or Robbie Fowler, you know, Steve McManaman are put in the same category. But now this this is the team, you pay to go and watch this team. You know, it's it's um, it's just been a pleasure to, to watch them and, and sort of and to cover this period over the last five years, you know, to go from where they started out, you know, I'll just put the tweet out there, you know, linking to the Jürgen Klopp piece that me and James have been working on. They were 10th in the league when they, they took over, 10th. Now, you know, the English champions, European champions, world champions, taking five years to get there. Just an incredible achievement. I mean, what a team. So many defining points of the season. Would you both pick out certain areas of the season that made the difference because they've slugged out in different ways. We've, we've talked about this on the Red Agenda, Simon. We'll go to the Villa game in a moment, but there was the Manchester United, the late draw. There was the brilliant performance against Leicester City. There was the win over Manchester City. I mean, there's lots of different ones you, you could look at. What springs to mind for you, James? The, the biggest thing is that ability to win games in, in so many different ways because uh, over, over that barren spell that Liverpool had, that, that always used to be the criticism that you know, it was in various times. Sometimes it was Liverpool would, would raise it when the big, big teams came along. And then you, know, you think back to you know, the, the famous one in the Roy Evans era when you know, suddenly it looked like they, they might go on and clinch the title and they lose to Coventry. And there was, there was lots of times that like you think of some of the city draws under you know, Benitez when you know, they, again, you know, would, would raise it. You know, would go to Old Trafford and, and beat Man United, and then draw at home to Hull or whatever. And and I think I think that's the biggest thing: the fact that this Liverpool team can be absolutely swashbucklingly brilliant. Like Les, you know, Leicester, Leicester away, Palace at home the other night was was of a similar ilk in terms of just hitting 
the most remarkable heights in terms of quality, but also just sheer desire. You think of Palace the other night and as Klopp said himself afterwards, the sight of three or four Liverpool players, like a pack of wolves hounding uh, those Palace players, 89 minutes on the clock, 4-0 up, but still no letter. But there's been lots of other games where Liverpool have been functional rather than fantastic and they've just ground it out. They've, you know, I think, I think that's been, you know, the evolution of the style under Klopp has been fascinating for me because I think you think back to his first season and it was, it was thrilling to watch at times, but, you know, it was, it was car crash at other times when you know, I think back to the 5-4 win at Norwich and, you know, him getting his glasses broken amidst the, the manic celebrations after Lalana scored that goal. And, and you kind of thought, well, this is, this is brilliant to watch. Like, entertainment-wise, you can't knock it, but you don't win titles playing football like this. You just, you just can't. And, um, you know, and, and sure enough, I think Klopp evolved. He, you know, I think we've seen Liverpool become a lot more streetwise, a lot more mature. The experience has come in. Um, just, just the way in which they control games now. They don't, you know, if they're if they're one or two nil up, they'll just, you know, take the foot off the gas and just, and just not, you know, they don't chase after games they don't need to. And you know that that has that has put them in this position because it's meant that they have been absolutely relentless. And as a result of, you know, of having so many strings to their bows, you think of, you know, people said, oh, they're so reliant on the front three. Well. You know, this season especially, teams have sat deep and tried to deny the front three space. Yet, you know, the two fullbacks have wreaked absolute havoc with with how you know the the quality they provide for wide areas. So that that's been the key to this Liverpool team: win games in so many different ways and so many match winners. You know, it's not like you can you can't double up on Mo Salah because if you do that, Sadio Mane will, will hurt you. The same. The same in midfield, the same with the fullbacks, with Van Dykes coming forward. Just you know, elite quality in all areas, matched with you know, uh, an, you know a first-class professional attitude. Yeah, they've won it as a team. But if you think back to the signings that were made, is it is there one that you think made the biggest difference in terms of Liverpool's journey, Simon? So the keeper, Allison, Virgil van Dijk, or, or would that be a little bit unfair? I think the two of them. Really, uh, you know, because it, obviously it was quite a strange building process, really. Liverpool built from the front. You know, most managers traditionally sort of get your, you know, your solidity at the back and, and go from there and put your finishes, finishing touches up top. But um, I, I just think that the starting point is really Van Dijk. I remember, obviously, the first game when he comes in and, and makes his debut against Everton. Straight away, it just gave Liverpool an authority. Without, without him, his signing, I don't think Liverpool get to that Champions League final. Uh, in the first season, but then clearly, you know, they, they still weren't quite right. You know, they, you know, they, they didn't have a, the goalkeeper that was uh, befitting of a team that reaches the Champions League final. And being totally honest, so Alison Becker is uh, was another you know incredible signing. I, I, would, I would say they pushed Liverpool on to become you know the uh, the team that they are now to to win titles. Really, you know, you, you need you do need a a solid defence and. Hmm. Uh, an outstanding goalkeeper. And you only look at Manchester City tonight, don't you? Defensively, I think that's where they've fallen short this season. You lose Vincent Company, a player who actually scores them the win, you know, the goal that makes them champions last season. They haven't replaced him and they've been a brittle at certain times in the season. So Liverpool have, have, have had Van Dijk available all the way through the season. He's been crucial. Of course, Alison Becker's missed a couple of games. People forget that, you know, Alan. 
Adrian stepped in, and I know, I know people, you got a lot of criticism after the Atletico Madrid game, but I think he has proven himself as a, as a decent deputy, but clearly not at the standard of Allison. Those two players for me have just made you give Liverpool a, a, an authority and a, probably the classiest players in the team in many ways, aren't they? The two, two most defensive players in some ways, you know, like usually you, you associate your class with your midfielders and your, your attackers, but they're relentless. It's more at the back, they just brought this level of calm, which um, hasn't just calmed the team down, but, but I'd say calmed Anfield down. There's a, uh, they, they've, they've inspired a level of trust that wasn't there before. Well, they're two with shorter journeys at Liverpool. But if you think of Jordan Henderson, James, he's had a, a much longer path and it's not always been happy, has it? He's a Champions League winner and now a Premier League winner with the Reds. When you dig a little deeper into the, you know, the, the, the names and the faces who have made this dream a reality, there, there's so many fascinating backstories and probably none, none better than Jordan Henderson. Mm. Um, you know, a, a man who has been, you know, it wasn't just written off initially. It wasn't just like he had a a tough first season and then people accepted actually do you know what this this fella can can play a bit you know he had he had years of people questioning you know almost what he was doing at Liverpool and you know even I, mem- I remember even when the you know, clock came in and you know, of course when he then went on to sign Van Dijk there was almost this assumption in some quarters that all you know Van Dijk will now become the captain you know that's you know you know that's the kind of natural thing Henderson's just been keeping it warm for for someone else and you know, there was you know, I, I never understood that because I just thought you only had to look at every manager Jordan Henderson had worked with, whether it was at club or at international level. They've always picked him, you know, and there's a good reason for that because, you know, for a start, he's an unbelievable professional Is you know, in terms mm. of having him around the place, you know, not you know, the way he leads his life. He's the perfect role model for all other players. But, you know, I think sometimes that, because that side of him is so... You know, you know, it's so clear that and gets talked about a lot. What get what sometimes gets off and looked is just how good he is actually as a midfielder, and we've seen that whether it's in the holding role, whether he's when it, when he's given the freedom to push a little bit further forward. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I'm delighted for him as as much as anyone because when when you think of some of the some of the the questions that were always posed against him, and now you know he can turn around and say, well, he's captain Liverpool to a sixth European Cup. He's now been the captain that's brought the Premier League title back to Anfield for the first time in 30 years. So you know, he's, a, he's a legend. He's an absolute Liverpool bona fide legend. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, you know it's, I think he's, he's long since proved that you know, he's an absolute pivotal part of, of what Klopp's achieved because you know, the, the unity and the spirit and that, that willingness to fight for each other and to go that extra yard like we saw against... Barcelona, like we saw in all the, all the late winners, a lot of that stems from Henderson and the way he is, and and the, the dressing room that he's helped create. You know, he is he is you know a very 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 crucial cog in this winning machine. Right. So obviously they are all legends. Clearly they are. They've won the Champions League, the Premier League, legendary status. But where do they rank in the all-time Liverpool teams? That's one to have a look at. And I'm sure one that will be debated heartily uh, for the weeks and months to come. But they're up there, aren't they, Simon? But for you, I mean, obviously because you've seen them firsthand, are you going to place them at the very top? It's very difficult to gauge. I mean, you've got to sort of think about when you do this. I don't like sort of comparing teams because different eras, different challenges mm. and stuff like that. But... I suppose you can contrast what 
certain managers were up against when they came in and, and what um you know the, the the state of the team and, and the impact the players have had you know and I, I think it's 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 really easy to sort of um underestimate the challenge facing Jürgen Klopp when he came in, in in 2015 I mean I mentioned before they were 10th in the league going nowhere really you know saddled by you know crippling history you know Klopp mentioned it in his first press conference I always remember when he walked into the first press conference you know James was there and it was, it was such a strange experience he sort of walks in and he's, he's obviously a very tall man isn't he and it was almost like the room took a collective gasp it was like oh my god he's actually Liverpool's manager this fella you know guy who any club in Europe would have wanted to appoint him he took on you know he, he took on an enormous challenge you know I think there's a co- the point that I'm making is the comparisons in the I think between the job that he took on and, and I suppose what Shankly took on in the sense that all right Liverpool when Shankly took charge you know the, the, the they were in the second division they weren't expected to go and um, sort of achieve things straight away but you know, th- 25 years uh, had passed between when Klopp had took over and, and the last title. So that, that that sort of emotional frustration and nervousness around the club and um, was very palpable, you know, in games. And he managed to sort of turn. He spoke about it before. And James and I were writing about it about how in um, in that first sort of couple of months where he didn't feel like the crowd was really with the team that much and. Uh, everybody laughed at him when he, he sort of celebrated that, that West Brom game uh, when he got a 2-2 draw and you know sort of got the players in front of the cop and people thought it was a bit naff but I, I thought you know looking back it was quite an important moment that showed that there was a relationship between the, the players and, and the, the fan base again so he's done an incredible job on it I think I think for, for, for Klopp to to be described as like sort of the um the, the, what up there with Shankly he's got to create a dynasty now that's what I think you know he's right. got to he, he, he can't just uh, think that this is enough I, I'm sure he doesn't but you know if, if he goes and creates a winning culture that lasts there's then passed on to another manager that lasts then he's up there he's definitely up there because as I say Liverpool were, were sort of coasting towards mediocrity when he came in really and there was so much work to do and he, he's, he's really um He's really reminded sort of the fans of what the club should be about and embrace the standards that the that, uh, that, that, that people hold the club to. You know, he hasn't been afraid. But the, the one thing I'd just like to finish on this, this, this point is, you know, he's seen as sort of this emotional manager uh, who, who, um, who sort of rides the emotion and knows how to use it. But I think one of his real strengths that nobody really talks about is He's able to sort of be quite cold, cold-hearted sometimes, you know, in terms of he knows when to ride that emotion and when to step back. And, and you know, I, th- I, th- I think that the, uh, the the Champions League final last year was an example of that where it was a very, like, sort of unemotional performance. It was a, you know, a very job, you know, it was very much a, a, a business, a bit of business that Liverpool did and went and, 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 and done what they had to do on the day. And you've done that a lot this season, you know, the, you've done what they've had to do at times and, He's able to do both. This Liverpool team can play both ways, and that, that's just what I love about it. You know, they're, they're not too dogmatic. You know, they, you know what they're doing. They're very sort of well organised, but but they're not too dogmatic in that sense. They, they can play either side, either style of football. And I don't know whether I've asked, answered the question there, but I, I think <laughs> the, uh, it's the best team well, that I've seen. It's the best Liverpool team that I've seen easily 
Well, there you go. You've answered it now. <laughs> Let's move on to James. <laughs> you talked about Jürgen changing the direction of the football club. So the perfect man to introduce now is uh, someone who's written the full history of the last 30 years, and that's Ollie Kay, who's interviewed just about, oh, goodness knows, I don't know, 15, 20 people in a brilliant piece on The Athletic, talking about Liverpool's journey in that, that 30 years. Let's welcome him now. Are you OK, Ollie? How are you feeling? Yeah, very good, very good. It's been an entertaining, lively evening. Um, just watching the, just been watching the scenes on TV with all the ex-players, seeing who can um, who can drink most on air, and um, <laughs> it's, it's to give it more professionalism here. A bit of a surreal moment, isn't it, Ollie? To to win it in in that fashion, but does it really matter for you? Is it just a case of crossing the line? Well, I think it's. I mean, I think any time. I, I would imagine. Simon and James would have made the same point and you would have made the same point, but I would imagine any time anybody's imagined Liverpool winning the league again or, you know, Everton winning the league again, if, if we're really stretching the imagination or, um, you know, Leeds getting promoted, whatever, they all think, you know, Newcastle winning a trophy. It's, you think of the fans, you think of that moment and that moment hasn't happened because, because of the circumstances we know, you know, we're all very well aware of. So I think, you know, undoubtedly it's, it's taken the probably the shine off the moment in some ways for for for, for the fans, and it's a very brave fan probably that would say no. It's this is perfect, but I mean it's not perfect, but it, it's a it doesn't affect, it doesn't detract from the 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 achievement from a from a team this season, which um, I mean it's on course to break every Premier League record that has been broken over the last couple of seasons by Man City. It's on course to break all of those. They've won it with seven games to spare. It's absolutely unbelievable what they've done this season. And to do it against... And I was watching Man City tonight and thinking, God, they are such a good team. And as Klopp said, to be to be so far ahead of them, with, you know, out of out of their, their sight within, you know, with seven games still to play is, is an unbelievable achievement. I think Liverpool's Two seasons have been absolutely extraordinary. And given the piece you've written, what sense did it give you in terms of the emotional, uh, the mental and the, the, the physical ride that Liverpool have been on for 30 years? It's felt like, um, you, you know, when Arsenal had that sort of series of top, you know, where they were finishing top four, you know, every season and, and you know, the, it, was, it was like the same you know, it was like Groundhog Day with Arsenal. Every season was the same, and then it was that sort of slow stagnation. It, it, it hasn't been like that for Liverpool. Liverpool have had real surges up the table. You know, twenty-five points upwards one season, twenty-five points downwards the next. It's been. I mean, look, they've not dropped down to the bottom half. They've not dropped out of the division. They've never finished lower than eighth. But mm. in terms of the mood going to Anfield as well um, over that time, you can see you can. It's almost like you know it's either on or off with Liverpool. The mood. There's been times over the last 20 years going there as a as a reporter where you just know it, it, it's felt like the place has been utterly depressed. And then they'd win a game in Europe in midweek and it would just be alive again, you know, the, the, the next weekend. And there were really depressed times in the, in the early 90s, 93 under Sunas, late 90s, pre-Houlier and then late Houlier, late Benitez. Certainly the Hodgson time was, was depressed, but it, it had these surges up and down. And I think since Klopp had come, Klopp came in. The first two years were, you know, were, were an improvement, but the last two years has just been incredible, an incredible surge. How you keep that quality and that that mood around it being so vibrant? I guess that is going to be the big challenge of the um, the next couple of years. 
Right, let's take some uh, some questions that have been sent into the Red Agenda. Um, we'll start with this, James. Uh, Jerry says on Twitter, who's been the most important signing in the last 30 years? That's a biggie, isn't it? Most important signing in 30 years for Liverpool. I think it has to be Virgil van Dijk. I think just in terms of someone who's come in and transformed the team and taken them to the next level, I think I think it has to be him just because... You know, Liverpool were on an upward curve before he came along. You know, Klopp had, had put his stamp on, on the on the club already, but defensively there was a glaring weakness there. They didn't they hadn't had a defensive leader really since Jamie Carragher was in his in his prime. Um you know, there's there's so many contenders for that. I mean, I was you know, when me and Simon were putting together our long read on how Jurgen Klopp has turned Liverpool into champions, it kind of made me realise how probably maybe un- underappreciated in a way the signing of Sadio Mane is because I think he was kind of the, f- when, when you look at now at the elite world-class talent Liverpool have got, Mane is the, he was the first one in the door, if you like. And I think without him in 2016, without him coming in and without him lighting the place up that, that, that season, if he didn't get Liverpool into the Champions League that year, then Liverpool don't get Mo Salah in 2017. And you know the whole the whole narrative after that is different. So I think you know that you you, could, you can go through. I mean, you know there are so many amazing backstories when you think of you know Wijnaldum and Robertson being plucked from relegated teams and now being champions of Europe and champions of England. But you know, and and Allison, you know, you think of you know what an amazing upgrade he was compared to Mignolet or Carius. Um, but it's got to be Van Dijk. You know, in in terms of one man, in terms of someone who's made a bigger difference than all the rest, because it's not only his quality, it's also, he just makes everyone around him better, Van Dyke. He just oozes, you know, that, that, that calmness and composure. And, and, and he, yeah, he's, he's elevated Liverpool, I'd say, more than any other player to, to where they are now. Yeah, I don't think anyone would argue with that. Uh, Simon, you could probably answer this in about half an hour, but try and make it short. Uh, this is from uh, Shiram, who says, uh, do FSG get the credit they deserve? Uh, do it nice and succinctly. Um, <laughs> it depends whether you think they deserve it, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they do deserve huge amounts of credit for, for sort of running the club mm. uh, responsibly, which that they have. You know, the, the Bulls' financial position is, is, is very secure. You know, they, they don't take risks. Um, they deserve huge amounts of credit for going out and getting... You know, the best manager in world football as well. You know, managing to get him mm. through the door was... An enormous coup, but you know, I'm sure Jan Klopp will be keen to layer, you know, all the credit across the club over the next couple of days. You know, all the people on the on the coaching staff, and you know, uh, Mike um, Mike Gordon at FSG and Michael Edwards. But ultimately, you know, I, I, I said this before. I don't think this happens without Jan Klopp. Being totally honest, um, you know, the, the one thing the FSG big thing is, is the stand. You know, I think that that's a really that was a really big thing that, that, that they got done. and they, They've taken their time to, to get it right. Uh, and they still will get things wrong, I'm sure. You know, people get frustrated with them from time to time. But fundamentally, they are good owners. You know, the, the, you know, the, the, the good foreign owners who've, um, who treated the club with a great deal of financial care. You know, I can understand why they do get criticism, but, but, but they, they, they've, you know, they ultimately, they, you know, they're, they're, they're the owners that have, um, whose names will be attached to Liverpool breaking a, 
30 year who's it you know so you know they, they must be doing something right uh, Jonesy and Bootle uh, says for all three of you quite quickly um, is this just the start of many league title wins Ollie I don't think it's going to be another 30 years or, or another 10 years before Liverpool win it again because I think they're in really good shape right now but I, I do think it's I don't think it's going to be possible to do what Liverpool did in the 70s and 80s. I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's going to be possible. I don't think it's going to be possible to repeat what um, Manchester United did in the, in the 90s and 2000s. I, I, I just don't see it being possible really to exert that level of dominance when there are so many kind of, you know, I mean, Manchester City's wealth and resources and the coach they've got, and the players they've got, um, they're not going to be far away next season. I, it's it's and, and the next you know two or three seasons they've they've got signings they've needed to make they need to strengthen in defence but I I think um, I think to get one title is very difficult in in this league um, particularly at the moment and City had to fight so hard to win that second title Liverpool are going to have to fight so hard to to win a, a second title um, maybe Manchester United or Chelsea could make a huge investment and a huge surge next season but it's you know it looks like it's City and Liverpool but I think it's yeah it, it, it's I would say Liverpool are in a period now the next two or three years where, where they look really really well um, really well set uh, and then beyond that they'll need to um, rebuild again because you know they've got a lot of players in the same age bracket um, it's not an old team but it's a team with a lot of players who are at their peak now, sort of 27, 28, 29. So they're going to have to, you know, rebuild while trying to exert that dominance. And that's what Ferguson did in the 90s. That's what, you know, Paisley, you know, Shankly and then Paisley did, you know, through the 70s and, and into the 80s. And that's what you have to do. And it's what really no, no team has managed to do, particularly over the last decade. City have won four titles now four Premier League titles but if you'd said back in 2012 when they were the first one you'd have said they are equipped now to really really dominate and it's easier said than done I think City have done it to a, a large degree but it, you know it, it's it's easier said than done because there will always be other good teams around it's not like Italy France Germany where you've seen teams win seven eight nine titles in a row James will give you the final word on this one I see more titles coming along but I think I agree with Ollie that it'll be more difficult next season. I don't think it's realistic to think that Liverpool will run away with it in the same manner as as this time around. I think, you know, that they'll be the ones with the target on their backs next season. You know, they, there'll be a lot of clubs this this summer desperately trying to do business to be able to to close the gap and, and to be able to compete with them. But, yeah, when you look at the age of, the, of this Liverpool team, it, it's not, it's still not a team for me that has reached its peak. And you look at, you know, especially you think of the Palace game the other night and the young players coming off the bench and making mm. an impression. It's no wonder you, that Jurgen Klopp, you know, despite the fears that he might take a sabbatical in 2022, no surprise really that, that he weighed it all up and went, you know what, I fancy hanging around here because uh, he wants to create a golden era. You know, he's landed the two biggest prizes you could possibly get your hands on in the European Cup and the Premier League. But... He wants to do it again and again and again. And I think you know, everything is in place at Liverpool for him to do that. Uh, some brilliant articles uh, on The Athletic right now, including Ollie's uh, mammoth piece about that 30-year journey uh, to this title. I see Ollie celebrating with a, a fine wine tonight, maybe James with a Peroni. 
and uh, Simon will probably be lost in a haze on the streets of Bootle somewhere, or maybe Crosby. <laughs> I don't know where he's going to end up. If you see him, it's send him home. Um, guys, thank you very much indeed. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, Steve. That was the Red Agenda. And of course, uh, don't forget, there'll be plenty more reaction in the coming days on The Athletic. Mm -hmm.